five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast in partnership with Kidney Care UK, sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. My name is Dee Moore, and I am a stage four kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate, and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, related chronic illnesses, and health. If you have any questions or ideas for topics you would like me to cover, please get in contact with me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. In today's episode, I am bringing you a kidney warrior story. Now there's always something you can learn from someone's story, something that can bring inspiration and hope. My guest today from London, England is cybersecurity analyst Eric Duglin. Eric joins me to share his story of receiving a kidney donation from his wife Mandy and his work in paying it forward to help raise awareness of kidney donation. Hi and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior, the podcast. How are you doing today, Eric? Very well, thank you. Bit hot, but it's all good. Thank you. <laughs> so as everyone knows, I always love recording Kidney Warrior story interviews because, as I've said many times before, learning from somebody's lived experience, hearing their story and what they've learned, it's so empowering. And so I'm really looking forward to our interview today. So um, thank you again for joining me. Thank you for having me. So how did your kidney warrior journey begin and how were you diagnosed? It began in 2005. I just had some headaches, some nausea, didn't think much of it. And I went to the doctors and they checked my blood pressure, said my blood pressure was quite high. Did a urine test and they said I had some uh, protein leakage in my urine and it was nothing to worry about. But um, just to come back and get it checked out just to make sure it didn't get any worse. And this went on for a few months and they said my blood pressure was getting higher and the leakage of my protein is more protein in my urine. So I'm now getting a bit concerned and I was put on some medication just to manage that. And they said, if it got worse, I might need a kidney, but because I was quite young and quite fit at the time, it's highly unlikely that I would need a kidney, but I just keep coming back and getting checked out. So this went on from about 2005 until uh, until I had the kidney transplant in 2010. But initially they said come annually. And then when the protein leakage got a bit more, they said, can you come every six months? Then when they said, can you come and get tested every three months? That was when it became a bit of a worry and a bit of a concern. And uh, I think it was in 2009, they said um, my protein leakage was quite high and my kidney function had, had gone down to about 10%. And I would probably need a kidney. Well, I would need a kidney. Oh, and that's when it really hit home. So how was that for you at the time? You said that initially they said you had the protein leak and it wasn't anything to worry about. But over time, it got progressively worse. And now you're at the point where they're saying, actually, you're in kidney failure now. What was going through your mind at that time? When they initially told me that in 2005, it was like they weren't talking to me. It was like, oh, it's not going to happen to me because... I didn't smoke, I didn't drink, I played football, I played basketball, I jogged, had four children, so I was always active. 
So initially, when they told me, it was it was like they were talking to somebody else. You know, you know, yeah, that doesn't happen to people like me. That happens to you know Joe Bloke down the street. But when they did initially say I need, when they said I needed a kidney, and it was that diagnosis that my kidney is, is failing. There's no chance of it um, getting any better. I felt very angry. I'm not going to lie. Felt very angry with regards to you know why me. You know, as I said, I don't smoke, don't drink, keep myself fit, and what have you. And when you sort of look around and you see people who are, you know, not knocking anyone who's sort of smoking and drinking and are overweight and what have you, and they're fine. So initially, I was very, very angry and quite resentful. Now I feel guilty feeling that way. But initially, when I was told, that was my initial feeling, you know, and it still didn't hit home. I still thought that there'd be some intervention, that I won't need a kidney. You know, there was going to be something was going to happen and it won't come to that. That was my initial thought. So there was some anger there and denial, which is an understandable part of that grieving process. I mean, recently we've had interviews about the grieving process of having a chronic illness and anger is certainly a normal part of that. And just for anyone listening and for yourself, I think it's important that we recognize that that is a normal part of the process. And it's a a very difficult thing to get a diagnosis of having a chronic illness. And so we need to normalize the fact that we have these reactions because it's a life-changing thing. And from the point of diagnosis, your life is different. So I really think we need to normalize the fact that we were angry or we had difficulty in the beginning And like I said, we definitely need to normalize that. So when you understandably felt angry and it sounds like you were in a bit denial about having that diagnosis, given the fact that you lived such a healthy lifestyle, how did you move on from having those feelings? Was that something that took a short amount of time or a long amount of time? Or are you still on that journey? Tell me about that. I'm not on the journey anymore. I was on the journey for a long time because, again, I initially thought, because I knew nothing about this, I, I thought, initially I thought, I've got to get a kidney. Where am I going to get one from? Who's going to give me a kidney? They said that my children couldn't really donate because the, the condition I had could be congenital. So if one of my children gave me a kidney, they may need one. And I didn't want to put my children through that anyway. You know, I thought, you know, they, they probably would have donated, but, they, but I thought, no, so I was angry at that, and I was angry at having to put someone else through it. So the anger did take quite a while. I think it took me till after I had the transplant because my wife Mandy donated, and I didn't want her to donate. When I came home, and she said, you know, I told her the diagnosis, and she said, I'll donate to you, and I said no, because they said what the organ donor would have to go through the invasive testing and what have you. I mean, I didn't want her to donate, so I was still consumed with anger, even though I was in a better position than most people, by having the donor, you know, having someone who wanted to donate. A lot of people haven't got that, you know, haven't been as lucky as me or as fortunate as me, but I was still angry that someone else would have to go through the pain to help me. So rewinding slightly, when you said that the, the doctor said that the condition you had might be congenital, what condition were you diagnosed with? Sclerosis of the kidney. Just um, congenital heart disease. Apparently the, my kidney was furring up and it wasn't retaining all the 
protein was going out as opposed to clearing all the toxins out. All the protein was going out, which subsequently was making me a lot weaker and fatigued and memory loss. And a lot of the toxins were staying in my body as opposed to being flushed out. It's amazing after a little while how much you learn about your body when something like this happens. You know, you don't know anything about it. We just plod along quite happily. And then you start getting these diagnoses and you start reading about things and, and you realise how serious it was. So it was um, sclerosis of the kidney where they had the, the tubes were just flowing up and the protein was just leaking straight out of my body and the toxins were staying in. So going back to your feelings of anger about your diagnosis and then being told that you needed a transplant. So you said that your wife stepped forward and said that she was willing to donate and you still were feeling angry at that time. And anyone that's listened to any of the episodes, we we know that it is an intense process of what a person who is, and as I call people who are living donors, I call them superheroes, what superheroes go through in order to donate. So you said that you were angry and you had difficulty around that. So how did you get to the point where the transplant was actually possible? Lots of testing and matching. My wife is white and I'm black. So we initially didn't think it would match because, again, we knew nothing about this and we thought it wouldn't be matched anyway. And in a way, I was hoping it would be a match, but that's another story. So she had lots of testing and we had the tissue type testing and we were basically after all the testing a perfect match, what they call a 2.2. So, you know, our, our tissue type would match very well. My wife, she was really happy. She was ecstatic and I wasn't, again, I was happy in a way, but I'm a bit disappointed, as I mentioned earlier, that she would have to go through what she would have to go through. But lots of testing, lots of visits to the hospital. We had to have the uh, counselling as well, whereby we had to make sure that Mandy wasn't being coerced into doing anything. or I wasn't giving her any money. And we were both in a good mental state to do it as well. Sometimes, you know, you're not in a, a good mental state. So Mandy had to be interviewed separately. I had to be interviewed. Then we got interviewed together, as well as the tissue type and everything else. So it was a long process to make sure that we were, Mandy was in the right frame of mind to do it. I was in the right frame of mind to receive the kidney. And then once that was all done, the tissue typing. And that was a match. So was it the actual process of the workup process that helped you actually come to terms in your own mind of receiving the kidney? It did. I think it brought my wife and I closer together as well. I think there was that realisation after a little while that if I didn't get the kidney, they explained about dialysis. And the options were either going on dialysis until a cadaver kidney, you know, someone who died could donate a kidney, which was probably unlikely. You know, being black, we haven't got many donors. So I think the realisation of the options were going on dialysis or deteriorating a lot or having a kidney. And the easiest option was to have the kidney for my wife. And because she was so supportive as well, and the family were very supportive, and Mandy's wife were very supportive, you know, that sort of helped the decision as well, helped the journey, helped me a lot as well. So how was the actual transplant operation? How did that go? It went really well. January 15th, yeah, 2010, went really well. The lead-up was very, um, very, very scary. But again, what helped us 
is we both work for the same company and the company were very supportive. So once we knew that we had to have three months off, at least have it done, and the company went, right, there you go, you can go and have your three months off, don't worry about anything. So that helped a lot. And the transplant went really well. The only concern I had was because when they took, we were in Guy's Hospital, they took Mandy down first to the transplant just to have her kidney taken out. And that was the worst part because they brought her to me in the morning and, you know, we had a little chat and had a little goodbye. But then when they wheeled her off to have the transplant, and that was, I think that was the worst part because I was with about four hours between Mandy giving the kidney and me going down. So I had four hours to think. I'm thinking, I hope nothing goes wrong. I hope she's okay. And, and it, it, that was the hardest part. But yeah, the transplant went really well, apart from, I think, they said because the, the kidney was, Mandy's kidney was so strong, when they put it into my system, it gave me a bit of a, a jolt, apparently because my kidney was so weak and Mandy's kidney was so strong that it released enzymes as if I had a heart attack. So they initially oh, thought wow. I had a heart yeah, They initially thought I had a heart attack when they put the kidney in because it was such a strong kidney and such a jolt to the system. I was in intensive care when I woke up, you know, with um, some, you know, very sort of ill people around me, really, really, it's really intense situation, waking up and you're just sitting there and they said, look, Eric, you're in intensive care. This is what's happened. You had, they basically told me I had a heart attack, something, oh, great, you know, what else can go wrong? But my main initial thought was, again, Mandy, I'm thinking, I'm in intensive care. How is she? And I, she was told not to come down and see me. We were told not to have any visitors at all. They said that beforehand, don't have any visitors because you're going to be in a, a right state, you know, so don't have any visitors for at least 24 hours. So I was very alone initially until the morning after having a transplant. My mother turned up in intensive care, who's she was 70 old at the time, not very mobile. And there she was walking through intensive care, said, I want to see my son. And she, you know, she said to me, son, you're looking really good. You, you know, you look, it's the best I've seen you look. Cause, you know, and that's what made me think how ill I was when my mum saw me with the tubes and wires and everything else in intensive care and she said everything looked really really good and that sort of made me think wow I must have been really ill. That is quite something for your mum to visit you in intensive care and mm-hmm. she's saying that you look really good and yeah. you've got tubes everywhere and, and in intensive care and yet yeah. she's saying that you look good. Well, yeah, typical West Indian mother, you know, she sort of stood there and hey, Eric, you're looking good, man, you're looking good. <laughs> I was lying there thinking, I don't feel good, but um, yeah, bless her. But that that was seeing, because my, my mum went and saw Mandy first in intensive and they both came down together. Again, Mandy wasn't that great, she was on a little drip, and they both came down, but that was fantastic to see, and that, that gave me a, a bit of a lift. But um, yeah, the shock of yeah, waking up in intensive care, being told you had a heart attack. But um, apart from that, Touch wood, it's all been good. So what difference has that amazing gift that you received from your wife, what difference has it made to your life? It's made me appreciate things a lot more. And it, it made me think, look at the silly things that used to wind me up and think how insignificant they are. Silly things before I had the transplant, you know, this is really silly. I support Arsenal Football Club for my sins. And when they used to lose, I watch them. They, <laughs> um, when they used to lose, I was um, I used to get quite annoyed. Oh, they're rubbish! But now things, I, I don't care. If they lose, they lose, and it's made me appreciate my family a lot more and my life in general. Because um, since um, I've had the transplant, we've had I think it's four grandchildren, which oh. I probably wouldn't have seen, and we had one born on. On Sunday. 
Oh, congratulations. My, um, thank you. Well, my seventh grandchild was born on Sunday. Oh. So things like that, it really makes puts things into perspective. How grateful I am to be around in my kitchen, go, hi, your granddad, and, and share birthdays with them. And back in um, April, I walked my daughter down the aisle. I probably wouldn't have done, well, I wouldn't have done that without the kidney transplant. So mm. it really puts things into perspective how fortunate I am and how grateful I am to Mandy for giving me the kidney. You know, just one thing that I'd like to add, you, you may touch on later, is I think people need to understand that kidney transplant isn't actually a cure. It's a treatment, so I still have to take loads of immunoprecipitant drugs, steroids. If I miss a certain dose of, of my medication, it can have um, a detrimental impact. So although I've got the transplant and it's working well, it still has to be treated by lots of medication. It really is wonderful to hear you say the positive difference that it's made to your life. I mean, seeing your grandchildren, walking your daughter down the aisle, I mean, that's that's priceless. That is so touching and so good to hear. And although there are challenges having to take the immunosuppressants and the, the steroids, this, that, and the other, would you say that ultimately the good outweighs the bad? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's a very small price to pay, you know, to take some, get up in the morning, take some drugs, a very, very small price to pay. And it, it puts it into perspective sometimes when I go back to guys for my, um, I go to guys every four months of my checks. And there's still some people there, a couple of people there who are still waiting for a transplant when I went there. And they're on dialysis now. So it's a real eye-opener, you know, and I think how lucky. I, I didn't have to wait for a donor. I didn't have to go on dialysis. I went straight in and the kidney basically worked straight away. So I'm very, very fortunate. So taking a few pills, it's a um, very small price to pay. And what difference has the transplant made to your everyday life in terms of how you feel? I feel a lot more energised. As I you know, mentioned earlier, when my mum said to me, you look really well, before the transplant, I looked at some old pictures before I had the transplant, and my colour was just grey. I was really, really grey. You know, my eyes were really puffy. I was very, very tired, and I've been told something because of the toxins with my, flowing around my body, it affected my concentration. I work... Um, I'm a bit like an auditor, so I, I do lots of auditing work for a financial company. And my work was terrible. I should do write reports, give this to my boss to review, and he'd come back and go, why have you put that in there? Why have you duplicated that word? Why have you... And I didn't realise it at the time. I thought I was fine. And I got this work back, and I'm going, who, who did this? But it's only since I've had the transplant, and I look back at it now and think, you know, I was very close to being sacked at one stage because I didn't realise how poorly my work had become, because one, I was very tired, and two, the toxins were affecting my system, and apparently they affect your concentration, everything like that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's real life now that I'm not as tired anymore. My skin colour is, is a lot better. I feel a lot happier. I think I was going through a, you don't really, really again, probably about depression. I didn't even know, because I felt very down when I was going through the kidney journey, and when I, you know, and, when they told me I needed the transplant, I was very down, very down. I used to fall asleep. I would be sitting watching the TV with Mandy, and she'd be talking to me, and next thing I'd be asleep. You know, changing me at 7 o'clock, and next thing I'm waking up at 11 o'clock with a blanket on me. And I'd just apparently fall asleep like that. So things like that, you look back and think, wow, that was really, you know, a real shock that I didn't know how far I had fallen until I had the transplant. 
So you mentioned that when you were first picked up in 2005, that you were having like your yearly checkups and obviously then it increased and you were going more frequently. And so they were able to see the decline in your kidney function. And without trying to sound stereotypical, men quite often don't get themselves checked out. And for whatever reason, whether it's fear, etc, etc. So you're unusual in the sense that you actually were going through your appointments and getting yourself checked out. And it's really good that you did, because if you hadn't, it wouldn't have been picked up. And maybe you wouldn't be in the position that you're in right now. So speaking as a man, and for the men that are listening, especially we're going to speak specifically to the men at this point, we're not leaving the ladies out. But for this specific point, what encouragement would you give to the men out there who might be experiencing some symptoms or may have had a blood test that has flagged something up or for whatever reason, their health has now come into the spotlight? What advice would you give to them in terms of their health and getting themselves checked out? It's going to sound a bit of a cliche, but health is wealth. Without your health, you have nothing. And, you know, for a long time, a guy used to go to the checks. I was in denial. Every time I went there and they said, it's getting worse and worse and worse. I was like, they're not talking to me. They are talking to you. They're talking to us. If a doctor is saying there was something wrong with you, they are the experts. Get it checked out. Make sure it's monitored. If they give you medication, take the medication. Whatever it may well be, follow what the doctor says. Because all you've got, all, all we have got, men, anyone, is is our health. If I took the decision of going to get checked out, let's let your kidneys failing, whatever, or you, you know, you, you've got protein in your urine, I thought well, that's not serious. I never went back. I wouldn't be here today. I probably wouldn't be here today. And the ironic thing is, when I first went to get the checkups, I lived in Sussex, and then I moved up to London, and um, I didn't tell my doctors, and I had to go. I think I went with something totally different than one of the doctors up here and they found me and they said we've been looking for you for about a year because you're you know your kidneys failing so in between that time of, of leaving Sussex and coming to London I missed out a year of appointments to get checked out and it's when they checked me again they said look it's got quite bad in, in that space of time so again I, I, you know health is well without your health you have nothing and again I, I couldn't see my grandchildren I wouldn't put my daughter down the aisle, things like that. Don't let um, a bit of pride, not necessarily pride, but um, ignorance, pride, whatever we want to call it, ego, ruin our futures. Thank you. So are there any myths about kidney disease that you would like to debunk? Kidney disease, it can affect anyone. It doesn't matter how your age, your ethnicity, your your health status, if you're a sportsman, what have you, it can affect anyone. And there's no real, I think people think that you, you, you do it if you drink too much or you have too much salt or your diet, it doesn't matter. Some of the most famous sports people in the world have had kidney disease and your body will just attack itself. I asked a question repeatedly to the consultants, why me? And they said, there's no reason, there's no rhyme, no reason for it. In some cases, there are people have too much salt in their diet or what have you. But in some cases, it's just the body just decides to attack itself. And there's no rhyme, no reason for it. That's one of the myths. And and 
One thing that they have mentioned, I, I have heard that kidney disease, if there's something wrong with the system sometimes, kidney disease will affect black people more so. If there's high blood pressure, will affect white people with their hearts more so and black people with the kidneys. So um, that's one of the things I have heard. But one of the myths I'll definitely dispel, it can impact anybody, no matter who you are, what you do, age, ethnicity, sex, anything, can impact anyone. And what advice would you give to somebody who has been recently diagnosed with kidney disease? The advice I'd give is it's, it's not the end. They are, there's lots of various researches going on all around the world, but it's not the end. If you have to go to dialysis, dialysis will help. It will help. I didn't fortunately go through that, but dialysis will help you. And it can be a long journey. It can take years and years and years to get to that point. But discuss it with your family. Once you are, people are diagnosed, talk to your family. Don't sort of shelter yourself and not speak. Because once you speak to your family and open up to them, they can be supportive. And some people will mainly even say, look, if it does get to that point, that you need a kidney transplant, I'm there. So you can, you can plan ahead of time. It may not come to that, but I think it's really good to talk about it. It's the best advice to give. Talk to your family, talk to your friend, so it's out in the open. So if something does happen, you've got a bit of a safety net. As I said, I was very, very fortunate, but I didn't tell my wife about my diagnosis until they said, you need a kidney. Every time I went to the doctors and they said, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine, cool. Until they said, bang, you're there. So if I had spoken to her earlier, we could have both been on the journey together. So I think it's very important to share. Thank you. What advice would you give to the family and friends of somebody living with kidney disease? Again, listen to them and also possibly get yourself checked out. I'm not saying that people will be impacted, but just go and get a blood test or get a urine test just to be on the safe side. It doesn't hurt at all. And I would say research as well. Just, you know, if someone says to you, look, I've got kidney disease, may well be in the very early stages, just, again, look, have a read up about it and understand it, what it can do and how it can impact people. Because I knew nothing about kidney disease until, you know, it happened to me. And, again, I didn't talk to my family that much. So, again, when I said when I said I had to have a kidney, they were shocked and they were panicked. Again, just once someone tells you, research yourself find out about it yourself so you've got a better understanding of what may will come further down the line. Thank you. So I know that you've paid it forward in terms of kidney health advocacy. So tell me about the work that you're doing. I've got a blog. I write a blog and I share some of my stories on there. I'm quite active on some of the social media sites as well, um, whereby again I share stories and I work with various charities, sharing my stories and, and doing presentations and guest speaking and public speaking for lots of charities, sharing my story. And I'm a member of a group called Gift of Living Donation, where that's a black advocacy group, and they're trying to raise awareness for black donors because our numbers are very low. People from the black community donate um, are very low, but... Um, Black people requiring kidneys are one of the highest in the UK. So we've got a big disparity. So I'm, I'm a member of Gift of Living Donation. 
group, I'm what we call a peer-to-peer educator. So if someone is going to have a kidney, I speak to them. Or if they, someone wants to donate a kidney, I speak and I share my story as well. That's really amazing. You know, I always say when something bad happens, that something good must come out of it. And it's really heartwarming to see that you are paying it forward and helping others. And Gold, we're very familiar with Gold on the podcast. We've interviewed Della from Gold and we've interviewed Richie as well, who works with Gold. Yeah, and, uh, so I'm really glad to hear that you're helping and supporting others. So you touched on an issue that has come up many times in terms of black donors coming forward because, as you said, there is a disparity between the numbers of kidneys needed to the kidneys that are available. And as we know, it's easier, not impossible, because you can donate to someone from a different ethnicity and your story proves that to be so. But it's easier to tissue match to somebody who is from the same ethnicity. So my next question really is, what advice or what encouragement would you give to somebody from the black community in terms of raising the number of donors coming forward from the black community? whether that's living donation or deceased donation, what encouragement would you give to somebody who might be considering or maybe they have a family member or a friend who's in need of a kidney or maybe they're considering in terms of deceased donation after the past, what's going to happen in terms of preparing their family? Because as we know, the law has changed. Everyone's in until opted out. The family can go against that decision even now. So what advice or what encouragement would you give to somebody in regards to donation? What I would always try and say is it could be you. It could be a member of your family who needs a kidney. So if you're willing to receive a kidney, you should be willing to give. It's very easy to say that. And I understand there are some sort of um, there are some issues sometimes with religion and what have you. But if you're willing to receive one, you should be willing to give a kidney. And it's very easy for me to say my position because I've had one. But I think I would have been the same regardless. Because it could be a family member, it could be, you know, someone in your family, it could be one of your friends who, who may well need a kidney. So, and just basically, it's going to sound, I don't want it to sound too, too harsh or too callous, but if someone in your family needs a kidney, would you be willing to see that person deteriorate if you could help them? And if the answer is yes, you know, fair enough. but. I think once you personalise the story, because sometimes the stories can be a bit big, so, you know, I won't do it until it hits me, but I think once I try and personalise the story, if someone in your family needs a kidney, are you willing to let that person go through that journey alone and suffer to a degree? And so it's just trying to personalise it, I think. You know, what would you do? And if, if you needed a kidney yourself, would you turn around and say to someone, no, I don't want it, I don't want it. So just, just really to think. People just think how it would impact them or someone in their family. Thank you. So you mentioned that you have a blog and that you're active on social media. So what is the information for your blog for anyone that wants to check it out? And if anyone wants to follow you online, what are your handles? My handles are just Eric Douglin, D-O-U-G-L-I-N. My blog is called I'm Built for This just going through there's been certain issues in my life with um, other bits and pieces and I've come through them we've all come have challenges and we all come through them so my blog is I'm built for this 
And I also host a basketball tournament, which raises awareness and funds for kidney charities. And I've been doing that since 2015. It's called the World Club Basketball Tournament. And um, it's just to show people where I was a few years ago needing a kidney. Now I've organised this basketball tournament where teams come from around the world and they support what I do. And I do a little um, sort of speech beforehand where I say to teams, you know, they, they come from America, Canada, Philippines, wow. Lithuania, wherever. And I say to them, you know, I can do this because I was given a kidney transplant. And if I wasn't, the guys who were participating wouldn't be there. And although it's a, a friendly, fun tournament, some of the guys have been spotted by basketball agents from different countries on the videos and that we do. And they've gone on to get professional jobs around the world. So again, that's sort of paying it forward. It's, you know, it's a, it's a non-profit event. It's just a fun event. But on the back of that, some guys have gone out and got professional contracts. So that is something I can look back and think, well, if man didn't give me the kidney, if I wouldn't have hosted this tournament and these guys wouldn't have come over and been spotted and, and gone around be given professional contracts and what they do. And it's also give out leaflets about for the guys to become organ donors and go in the organ donor register as well. That's the main focus of it. And a lot of guys have signed up to the organ donation register on the back of that, of the, the event. So it's about raising awareness and raising funds for kidney charities. But it's also helping guys to get where they want to. And that's the World Club Basketball Tournament. Fantastic. So which social media platforms are you on? I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram and Twitter. I haven't delved into TikTok yet. <laughs> So Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and that's your name, Eric Dublin. That's it, yeah. Thank you. So do you have a final word of encouragement for the listeners? Final word of encouragement is for all kidney warriors. Anyone who donates is a warrior as well, and anyone who receives a kidney is a warrior, as you rightly said. It's not the end, it's the beginning. I see it as the beginning. I could have just gone off and done my thing and, and, and received my kidney and been happy with that. Right? But I think it's good to give something back. My encouragement is, yeah, just healthy as well. Just try and stay healthy. And if you can help someone, help and just talk. The main thing is just to talk. Open up and talk. Don't block anything away. Once we talk, that is one of the biggest therapies as well, just talking and sharing. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me and for sharing your story. Thank you so much for sharing such amazing advice and, you know, kudos and hat off to you for the work that you're doing in terms of paying it forward. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you much for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. And don't forget that you can contact me on social media using the handle diary of a kidney warrior please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend new episodes of this podcast are released every other monday until next time take care and choose to live diary of a kidney warrior sharing faith knowledge hope and love